Are you ready to begin your journey out of the realm of just theories and into a world of excitement and experience that only comes with braving the unknown? Join us as we speak to entrepreneurs who have faced the challenges of successfully creating businesses at home as well as abroad. Whether it's arts, services, or tech, from Shanghai to Tokyo, Bangkok to Mumbai, we'll help you find your inspiration and turn it into action. Get ready for Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now welcome your host, Neville J. McKenzie. This conversation is with Muriel Bhutan Bukuv, the co-founder of Papaya Path, a business focused on environmental sustainability and social impact. Muriel previously worked for Schlumberger in North and South America, Europe and Asia, learning a great deal in her various roles. Now an entrepreneur based in Singapore, we spoke together a few weeks before the official launch of the Papaya Paths web platform. During the conversation, Muriel reveals part of her journey and what it takes to bring her vision to reality, covering many aspects of the entrepreneurial journey and to bring the vision into reality. So now, without further delay, let's begin. First of all, I'm here with... Muriel Boutin-Bécuve. Can you just um, give an introduction of your background? Okay, so I um, studied uh, law. I have a master in law and moved to the US and because I couldn't stand being in France anymore and didn't see any meaningful career opportunities in France, so I moved to the US and got a Master of Science in Industrial Relations and upon graduation, two months later, got a job with a French global MNC called Schlumberger, huge conglomerates, but 160,000 employees now gave me a really nice uh, opportunity and uh, I jumped 16 years with the MNC, loved seven jobs in 16 years, five different locations, loved the nurturing and people development they provided because they had a lot of means. I had many jobs, project manager, then moved to um, HR, then was promoted to a bigger HR job, then moved back to project management as one of the branch of the company was spinning off to go IPO. I mean, long story short, yeah, lots of, uh, but you know, I'm no spring chicken. And I was reaching a point where I said, okay, either I stay with this MNC, stable paycheck, good benefits, etc for the rest of my life or I follow my dream which has been which had been uh, marinating for quite a while and uh, yeah I finally jumped ship and everything came together a divorce moving death in the family jumping ship I mean this was complete mayhem so how long ago was this but uh, four years ago. Four years ago. So what was your dream? Dream was to uh, challenge myself to build my own company within the uh, sustainability domain, making social and environmental impact somehow. 
I didn't know what exactly, but this is what I wanted to do. And I did it. First built a consulting firm, got few clients, and it only takes one, right? But uh, serendipity made me meet this, my ex-co-founder, and we had the same mindset about sustainability, and she had jump ship from corporate as well, and um, we started a market research company in the environmental field. From this, cut a long story short, from this market research data, focusing on the hospitality industry and um, sustainability, uh, the data yield um, convincing numbers enough for us to go and build where we are right now. Unfortunately, uh, my co-founder had to step down last year, which was a huge drawback for health reasons she had to step down. We had built so much, the foundations, etc. When she stepped down, I said, okay, what am I doing now? So when your co-founder stepped down, what were you faced with? What choices were you faced? Faced with um, like a major shortage of resource. Building a startup, a company, requires human resources and, and money. Yeah? We, we had been self-funding ourselves all the time and supporting each other. Now I don't have this right hand, second hand. Um, so I'm wondering, do I give up? Do I go back to corporate? I need to pay my rent. I literally, my bank account was going down every month. And uh, But we had built so much that then I can't give up. And I don't want to go back to corporate anyway. So you made the choice to carry on. Um, once you decided to carry on, um, what decision did you have to make then? Several decisions. I have to cut costs. I have to look at how I can uh, bootstrap and be more. So I moved out. I sold everything in my house, literally everything. Gave. I also gave. So there was four silos. What I trash, what I give, what I sell, what I keep. Well, imagine the biggest silo was what you trash. And you, you wonder. So why did you do that? Because I needed to reduce my cost. I was paying $5,000 a month in rent. Needed to reduce my cost in order to reduce my cost. I need to shrink the inside of my house in order to move to a place where, uh, to a room. I decided to share um, an apartment, with a house with uh, other people. And you know, you, you have a, your own bedroom, but... But how did that impact on your family? We managed well, because being divorced, I have two daughters. We managed quite well. My ex-husband is a very good dad. They live with their dad and uh, but the key is very good communication and making their life as easy as possible that's why I found a place where they I visited all the places with them and when they saw this place mommy will love it okay they felt good there 
and they come to see me all the time, stay with me all the time. So they live in Singapore? Yeah, with, their, with yeah. their dad. Okay. Tell us what your business is about now. Tell us the name. Papaya Path yeah. is the company registered in Singapore and we're basically a platform, B2B platform, helping hotel source environmentally friendly, environmentally sound product services and solution. One arm of the company is a program called H3Rs, H3Rs like reduce, reuse, recycle. Also aiming at the hotel industry specifically to re help hotel reduce wastage by means of donations to charities, NGOs and social enterprise. So the platform is uh, a mean for hotels to display their usable item donations and for do good organization to display what they need and for the two groups to connect. Where did you get the inspiration from? Well, uh, serendipity again, um, because the initial thought was to build a B2B platform to source green product solution, etc., like a tender and bidding platform. But as we, I know quite a lot of people in Singapore, investors, mentors, friends, and as we were out there um, getting feedback, we realized that um, we needed like two to three million dollars to ramp up this platform. And an angel came in the way, said, I like what you're doing, I like the philosophy, I like the team behind it, everything, but it's going to take a long time to raise that much money. Think about something that could um, bring awareness to your B2B platform, but in a more simpler way for the hotel industry to engage in your company. So we scratched our head, I scratched my head for a night and came up with this HVR program, which is a donation program. And I called him and said, okay, I think I have an idea, but I need a bit of money to implement it and execute it. Um, he listened to me at lunch and liked it. And then he put his checkbook and gave me $30,000 to get it going. Just like that? Just like that. Where is this um, angel? But you don't have to In give Singapore, his name. In Singapore, no, I can't. Don't it's give, a, don't give his it's name, very private. It's, yeah. I would call, call it's a kind of a, yeah, a, a philanthropist, a dreamer, but also a businessman. But he doesn't expect, he doesn't even have equity in the company. And initially, I was thinking when I talked to friends said, oh maybe he wants to get you in bed I said no I don't no. think so no no it's very genuine he's very genuine he has money but he wants to share it wisely and he connected with the idea so we did $30,000 helped me to develop the platform the program do a beta test last year with a hotel the test was successful, we were able to donate about over a ton of items from a hotel. And after that, we was very happy with the results, so we got a second round of seed funding to keep us going this year. Not much money, but 
enough to keep us going this year for me to hire interns and pay for the technical enhancement of the platform and also um, along the way I applied for a grant in Singapore with the National Environmental Agency and I got the grant. Is that, was that an easy process? So. No, um, <laughs> applying for government subsidies is never an easy process. However, I must say NEA has been wonderful. If you deal with government agencies in France, in my country, I don't know, in the UK, you feel like talking to a, a non-human entity, like a big brother, but at the same time, he, he, there's no one to relate to, to talk to, right? It's sort of lots of red tapes and no direct connection. With NEA, we had meetings, they called me, they helped me to formulate the grant applications to maximize my chances, they were wonderful. So it took six months, yes, back and forth, back and forth, lots of meeting, grilling, and because they they have stakes into investing in in companies as well. But they were super helpful and supportive. So the time spent was worth it. Yeah. So did you learn anything from the process? What? Of course. Yeah, you what did you learn from the process? I learned to be patient. <laughs> I learned to have faith and not give up into um, any undertaking. But it's not only with NEA. It's, uh, the journey of being a startup is you have constant high and lows. You know, it's like suddenly you become bipolar. So what's the high that you can think of? Oh, when um, getting people to respond and understand and show how much they believe in you, show concretely. Now, what's the law? So many people not meaning what they say, not walking the talk. What my learning is, um, I don't waste time with bullshitters anymore and I filter much better and I realize that a lot of people don't mean what they say but that's okay don't take it personally let it go because hey, focus on the people who you can give and who you know maturely it takes two to tango in business relationship and in personal relationship make sense yeah yeah so you mentioned that you have interns working for you. Yeah. Um, is it only interns or do you have IT people working for so you? So we have a technical advisor who has equity in the company, but he's not working full time with us, but he's, he's part of, he joined for equity, sweat equity. We have a editorial advisor and we're looking for partners, by the way, if anyone is interested, but maybe more interested once anyone sees the launch and what we are uh, going to achieve. And we have few interns coming in all the time, yeah. How easy is it to find people to work with? Interns, not that difficult. Uh, now that I found um, a very good sourcing business and association for interns, and huge support at the hub, Yeah. really huge support at the hub. Finding the right partner, 
I've had uh, three offers for equity, but I honestly turned them down because I felt they were not, they didn't give a shit about sustainability or what we were on. It was just all about money and there was no um, synergy in their and my business mind. So yes, it was attractive money, but at the end of the day, it's not only about money. How do you select a hotel or a, a company to aim for? Most hotels now, by mandate or choice, have to um, go on the sustainability journey. More and more government regulations, etc. And also, I mean, hotels cover the whole spectrum of sustainability. They affect everything, the local resources, labor, community, biodiversity, the, you know, there's so much waste within the hotel industry you wouldn't believe. I've interviewed 50 hotels, visited hotel warehouse where tons of stuff in good conditions are piled up. They don't know what to do with. They have to refurbish on a regular basis. So to give you an example, visited a hotel and they were 400 brand new TVs in the warehouse, on the shelf, in the box. Why? Because our owner wanted to upgrade to a better TV and our clients complained that the TV was not good enough. Boom! What are you going to do with that? I said, don't know. It's okay, so we don't realize how much can be saved on that area. For the H3Rs, part of the process is for the do-good organization to register and explain their mission. So we do um, vetting. We, to accept them on our platform, they have to be real NGO charities, do-good organizations, because some of them are just fake, and we know that. So we screen them and understand how our platform would benefit these organizations or their beneficiaries. Similarly, if a hotel, we screen the hotel too. I won't name any hotel, but there are some hotels we will not accept on our platform because they've been in the media um, for um, abusing animals or hosting prostitutes in their hotels and okay so how, how does a hotel abuse animals uh, part of the hot some hotels have uh, entertainment stuff oh. you know entertainment venues with yeah. animals so abusing is maybe the, but if they're in the media and have been um, shown as not being uh, environmentally yeah. and socially conscious we will not accept it but it's rare there's yeah. not that many hotels much more um, NGO charities that are not legitimate, not in Singapore, but many as well, we'll expand in other countries, um, yeah, our vetting system, filtering will be a bit more stringent. So you're based in Singapore or? Well, the platform is a web platform, so it has no boundaries. Now we're launching in Singapore. We have a lot of to deal with. There's about 450 hotels in Singapore, so it's a good ground. But eventually, yeah, we want to export. The, the platform is borderless. 
What would your timetable be? Yeah, so this year we're launching uh, officially in a few weeks. And in the next three months, it's going to be madness to, you know, get momentum. And, you know, it's a chicken and egg situation. Yeah. The more people register on one hand, the more want to register, blah, blah, blah. So, and there will be a snowball effect. We wouldn't be in there had we not been convinced that there's something to be done. There is something to be done. Uh, none of the organizational hotels we interviewed said, I'm not interested. Well, few, yeah, but maybe it's like, what, 1%, 2%, 5%? Um, when I asked them, is there any reason why you wouldn't join the program? No, I cannot think of any, because it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yeah? Um, so the, and then, as far as the timeline, your question, let's see how it goes. I Yes, I have a vision, we have a future, but going too aggressively into something, too much ambition and say, oh, we're going to reach 5,000 hotels, uh, may not be realistic. So, you know, we have a progressive strategy and with a plan to develop the other platform next year. Uh, implement a membership system but let's see this year I'm focusing on with my interns and my partners very specific objectives so what's, what's the objective objective is to have a certain number of hotels members and do good organization members and um, a lot of little tricks and turns and surprises on a social media outreach standpoint of the network pipeline I've built, I've built over the year. So that, so you learn what's required? Of course, it's a <laughs> never ending learning. So what would be the number one business lesson you've learned from this process? Business, uh, biggest learning? Yeah. Don't work alone. You are working alone now. No, I'm not. No. no. I was. If you work alone, uh, you're doomed. You have to surround yourself. So surround yourself with the right people. Filter out the toxic people. Be patient. And um, have faith. Don't give up. It's kind of a mainstream to say don't give up. But when you see what you've achieved, what is around you and you balance it out with the, the disappointments, etc. You can see if you should give up or not. But I've been told so many times, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Then I can't give up. <laughs> Your work career, has it been spent chiefly in Asia? No, I started in, in the US, then Latin America and then Singapore. And how much of what you've learned in the US, in Latin America, do you bring to your company here in Singapore? Oh, in the US, uh, fantastic. But it's also the company I belong with because they really nurtured uh, people development. US is very pragmatic, yeah? Don't small talk, you know. It's super good at making presentations. And when I, 
work in, in this international company, I work with friends a lot. And they're like so crap at presenting and they spend meeting, hours in meeting, cutting hair into pieces, going nowhere or, or complaining or going on strike. <laughs> so in the US, I learned the, you know, the professional way to, to go out there. Where were they going on strike? Where in France. In France. Yeah, okay. In France. You know, in France. Yeah. Uh, French people have a tendency to um, point fingers, and I'm French so I can criticize, yeah. <laughs> point fingers rather than finding solutions. And the US is like, like find a solution, <laughs> let's cut the crap. And so I, I, I really enjoyed that. And, um, you know. And South America. Oh, South America was much more of a, a fun journey, yeah, where uh, everyone is late for meetings all the time. So if you want to meet at six o'clock, you'd better set it for four o'clock. Yeah, they will be inherently late and not serious, but it was fun. We pretty much dance, drank, and ate all the time. Yeah. <laughs> some We achieved something somehow. but. Uh, and here in Singapore? Oh, here in Singapore, but I was I came here with the same company I was in, so still in the MNC. I found um, working in Singapore was a shift because I've been not trained or molded, but just my ex work experience was, okay, there's a problem, you find a solution, get things done, results, 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 no matter what, yeah? Uh, ethically, but no matter what. Here I found, okay, we have to go through, no, I have to ask my hierarchy, I have to ask my supervisor, I can, no, working with people who cannot, are afraid to make decisions. So it was a bit of a struggle uh, at the beginning, and I, I guess I found... How did you get around that? Making suggestions in a roundabout way, or so, how about... Uh, and sometimes just going to... Um, in Asia, you've lived in Asia in, <laughs> for a long time, yeah, right? You yeah, know how yeah. it is. And sometimes confronting or talking to a person is not the right way. You yeah. have to go to their manager and manager because uh, they are not uh, used to talking business with the same mindset, I guess. In your company, what are you looking for when you employ somebody or you take on somebody? I'm looking for someone uh, who definitely has a high interest in sustainability, environmental and social impact. That's one thing, otherwise, what's the point, yeah? Uh, I'm not looking for any particular skills, any particular diploma. I don't give a shit about diploma. You know, you can never go to school and be the smartest person. I've met many of them. I dated some of them, so... It's someone who has interest and is smart to tackle any issue. This is what is how a startup works, right? You. You, when you're a startup, I mean, series, you tackle ants work, admin things, you tackle, you meet with CEOs, you 
do business development, you have to do the marketing, you have to do everything, the IT. So someone who can just, okay, so get how, it. So how do you deal with the ups and downs of a startup? Um, taking a break with, with my daughter, shutting off my phone and spending time with my daughters. Even if it's spending the afternoon with them reading books in the bedroom, but just shutting down. Um, do you plan that? Is that planned or does it, do you just No, say, it's just like, they love to do that anyway. So yeah. it's just like bonding special time together. Just spending time with friends, talking, exercise. I have a couple of people I exercise. I have a little park at the back of my house with uh, outdoor uh, workout equipment. And at eight o'clock every night, we, we're sure to meet someone. So we exercise. Exercising is uh, endorphin, good hormones. Um, sleep. <laughs> sleep. I mean, sleep. a lot of people, they, when they become entrepreneurs, they say they haven't got the time to sleep. They just have to keep going. So it's wishful thinking. Yeah. I wake up in the past two years, I wake up every night at two, four, six. I, I haven't had eight hours straight sleep in the past two years. Is that because you're thinking of things to do? My brain you? never yeah. stops. I work in my sleep and I cannot, I'm trying to control my brain, but I didn't want to take any sleeping pills or drugs, etc. So it's just, but I don't feel tired. No, okay, I'm lucky, you know. I wake up, go on the day, and uh, I don't feel tired at all, but I have not had eight hours sleep in the past two years. So when you, you wake up at two o'clock? I wake up on the dot. And then you what, you go back to sleep, or you, what do you do? Yeah, I'm trying to breathe and relax, and then I fall, because my body is tired, yes. so I fall back asleep, but I wake up again. Because my brain, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm sleeping or not. You know this feeling where yeah. you're, yeah. am I sleeping? You feel extremely tired. Your mind is, but you're not awake. To tell my story, I found that if I didn't have lunch, mm. then I would wake up around two o'clock the mm. following night. It took a couple of years to work out that if I had lunch, then I'd sleep through the night. And dinner? Or just lunch? And it was if I missed lunch. If I had a breakfast, missed lunch, then had dinner, I'd wake up at two o'clock. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, I don't know the explanation of how diet affects the sleep pattern. It probably does. Mm. You know, like uh, if you eat too much meat or chocolate at night, you might yeah. have... Yeah, of yeah. course, diet will. But the lunch thing... You're right. I've been skipping lunch yeah. in the past two years. Had a bit of, like banana in the morning. And then boom, go, 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 go. And then realize at five o'clock I'm starving and I have a big meal. And yeah. yeah no. And I found that was, that's what happened with me. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't There's skip There's a lunch. correlation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't skip that. Who has been your personal inspiration? Many people. That's why I'm so grateful. And that's why I'm not giving up. Many, many people. I have been here uh, since 2004. 
initially I was pretty recluse because I didn't want I was an expat like you know yeah. the expat you know but going to expat coffee morning meeting all these people superficial competing with one another with how much their husband or spouse are making so I was a bit overwhelmed and um, but like I said in business and personal life I've over the years learned to filter you know remove people not time wasters etc like someone asked me uh, I said we should have coffee you know, we should do this and, why yeah <laughs> you know yes. it's like what's the point so um, inspiration yeah in the past few years and it's one of the reasons I, I joined the hub why did you join the hub one of the hub staff um, whom I was introduced to by a good friend who coached me to transition from MNC to startup she's back in France now she was a professional coach introduced me to this lady who is now a member of the hub and um, she introduced me to her because uh, she was coming to Singapore with her boyfriend didn't know what to do and um, I kind of coached her myself and we had a, I helped her to you know find different possibilities and routes and we kept in touch not uh, closely but and one day she said Muriel you know with what you're doing right now you should really consider joining the hub and I'm like yeah but I can't afford it you know it's like yeah but maybe we can find a way and she offered me a trade-off when I volunteer there once uh, at the entrance once a week for free access to the hub office access which wow yeah why not let's yeah. try that so and it's been going on for a year and a half now it's wonderful I've met so many people and I'm so grateful the hub gave me this opportunity because I have free office space uh, but I'm also giving them membership I'm so happy and grateful that I brought members into the hub so I'm giving them business it's another win-win yeah life is all about I believe win-win so anyone who inspires me I believe I've inspired them somehow it's never one way it's never one way but I never expect anything in return in what I do because expectation is misery in a way I really believe expectation is misery uh, it's karma I believe in karma as well um, what have inspired me too is the mistakes I've made and I've made many can you tell us about them <laughs> no I've screwed up a few times of course you know uh, how did you overcome those mistakes with my close uh, friends we talk about it everyone goes through the same thing where you know we talk about it and we meditate together we uh, we help each other overcome these corrupts and the fuck-ups can be also a great learning experience yeah, yeah? so 
is how if you do try to deal with it any of uh, shortcomings extra alone not gonna work so I've, that's the bottom line I'm grateful I'm surrounded by a lot of great people I cannot tell you how many people I can call anytime and will pick up the phone and so come right away and vice versa how many people can call me and will come right away we don't have to see each other we don't have to be best friends but we have a common connection so would you call that your network or would, is it something beyond the network is it it's beyond the network, yeah. definitely beyond the network, because there's really um, a strong human element, uh, almost a therapeutic element. Network is usually interpreted as business, yeah? yeah? Um, so, yeah, it's a form of a, you know, it's more of a community than a network, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good word, a community, mm. yeah. So if you had to do everything again, would you follow the same route or would you... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, well, I wish I could rewind like uh, back in time, but uh, it's just going forward. I wasted a lot of time and money investing in people, some people, some wrong decisions. Um, investing in laziness as well where you know there, there are moments where you're like frozen with anxiety attack and you don't even want to get out of bed yeah so, yeah I could have saved about uh, two years of my life from the onset of uh, the startup journey by um, yeah, making all the decisions, but it's, what's done is done, you know. I live in the present now, I don't really, what's the point, yeah? Could that, as you say, investing in laziness, could that be, could you have been thinking and planning in that, or is it just that you were wasting time? I just was wasting time. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't have to go to work to be today and I was just wasting time and being oblivious on, okay, in my dreams and what I'm going to do, going to do, going to do. I was not doing anything for a while, just thinking of what I'm going to do. And I have the freedom now, I can do anything I want and I'm not using that time productively. Okay, so you've been through that, you experienced that. So what do you do now to get things done? Oh, definitely. I mean, not now, in the past, when I woke up and said, okay, you're not going to start a business to be a, a leisurely uh, a coach potato. Uh, first thing is you wake up, take a shower and dress up. Never try to work in your pajamas. Just freshen up, you know, yeah. go exercise, etc. And it's just making... Uh, goals, not a long list of to-dos, you will never achieve them and it will just keep adding up, adding up, shrinking the objective to a realistic number where are you really pleased, hey, you have ticked up five. Is that a daily thing or? Yeah. So you wake up, get dressed. And, I've, and the night before I said, okay, tomorrow I want to do this, this, this. I'm not pl doing planning for the whole week because it's 
just not realistic. You know what you've missed. Five things that you need to achieve today. Sometimes you miss one, but don't be over ambitious. I mean, there's so much we have to do and you can have your uh, project management uh, software tool, your uh, time management book, is it a you know exactly what you have to do on your prayer. You just think about it the night before and say, okay, what is important, urgent, both prayer, five things, boom. And you do it the next day and you focus, not multitasking. You focus on each tax. And I'm not perfect yet. But I've uh, made uh, serious uh, progress that way. How do you measure that progress? By ticking. When I see my five limit, five, five things. Because sometimes uh, some are, there are other things that are going to come in the day. You put it in the next day to tick. Let's start to wrap up now. What would you advise somebody that came to you and said, Muriel, I'd like to create my own business. Okay, is your own business a fantasy, a dream, or have you done your research? Do your research before you go to your own business. Some great ideas, and I'm not the only one who's going to say it, some great ideas will never go anywhere because there's no market for it. So do your research first. Once you do your research and you have some data to validate that it's worth going into this uh, enterprise, start talking, well, doing your research is also talking to people, right? It's not only doing Google research, it's talking to people, etc. Uh, find people that can partner with you and are interested in joining forces. Like I said earlier, starting alone is not a good idea because you feel very lonely and sometimes embarrassed to be so lonely so that you don't talk about it. So do not do it alone if you can find at least one partner. And then, uh, yeah, put your financial projections, you know, something convincing into place so that you can plan your, how long can you survive as a startup, you know, do your cash flow and, okay, I have that much. This is how much I can spend per month. This is so, in order to sustain with that, what do I need to do? You do, do your financial planning. Let's recap. So it's do your research, find people to embark with you, and then look at your finances and then try and get your finances in order. Yeah, well, do mm. your research and do your finances. In order to convince people to embark with you, you will have to show numbers to say, okay, this is worth embarking with me. So maybe the, the third one should be combined with point one. Okay. Yeah. Thanks very much, Muriel. <laughs> and um, we'll keep in touch. 
We will. Yeah, we will keep in touch. This brings us to the end of this episode of Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now we need you to hit the subscribe button and head over to asiabizstories.com for more great information on how to take your inspiration and turn it into action. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you join us next time on Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Oh, 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 o